Good morning, everybody. It's a Monday morning, sunny day. Uh, glad to be here another week to podcast with y'all. So I'll get straight into it. Uh, NBA weekend, first weekend of opening day was last Thursday, and I can really say it was great to see basketball again. It was really great to see an influx of games after having months of not seeing games. You can tell the intensity was there. A little bit of the rust was there, but you know, some of these guys haven't haven't picked up a basketball in months. So it was a great weekend of basketball. A lot of good games. A lot of classics, I would say. A lot of uh, telling for the first week. A lot of telling. So let's get straight to it with the uh, my team, the Pelicans. So, you know, I, as probably many Pelicans fans, were disappointed with the outcomes of both our opening games with the Jazz and the Clippers. With the Jazz, it was more of a disappointment because... We were up big that game, and then we basically let the lead go. And then the second game, I feel like uh, I felt like we were going to lose that game anyway, but the way we lost was very demoralizing. And I expected to lose because usually when a team loses in heartbreaking fashion, like the Clippers did against the Lakers, they usually come back and uh, make the other team pay. That's usually how the way of the clock works. So let's talk about the Pelicans. Uh, first game, saw Zion. He only played 15 minutes. Uh, had about 13 points, I believe it was. But the main idea was why is Zion, uh, why is he on this minute restriction? And they didn't really call it a minute restriction. They called it a short burst, which I had never heard that term before in the game of basketball. I feel like they come up with a new term every year for certain players or certain aspects of the game. So that was very interesting to hear them say short burst. I just call it a fancy word for minutes restriction because either way, you're restricting his minutes from when he was playing 29 a game to 15 these past uh, two games. So, anyways, he was on that mass restriction. So, I think Pels fans, along with myself, were a bit frustrated with the organization because we felt like they weren't being uh, they weren't being foretelling. They weren't being 100% honest with what's going on with Zion. You know, I was on Twitter and saw various accusations of oh, Zion man had Corona. That's why he's uh, not playing as much. Uh, that's why he had to quarantine for a few days. Um, he, he may have uh, gotten out of shape, and he has to uh, have been on the administration. The injury, uh, the baby in him because he had an injury. They don't want him to end up like uh, MB, who's always injured all the time. It was an influx of excuses. But basically, the rundown came from Andrew Griffin and uh, Alvin Gentry and everything that said that Zion is 100%. Zion is fine. But what they're doing is they're trying to get him adjusted to these short bursts and he may not be playing as long as we want him to. And they said it's depending on the medical staff and all of that. So I think it was wrong to leave Gentry out the drive because I saw a bunch of the fans and myself basically saying, what's Gentry doing? If he's healthy, why did he spend the ball and let him die on play? So it was kind of a issue of miscommunication. So I believe that uh, the Pels can still potentially make a run to get in the playoffs because their schedule now is a bit light. Okay, so they have Memphis today and then they play they have an influx of the Spurs, the Kings, you know, all all winnable games, I would think so. So with that being said, I think we uh get around up because we've beaten the Grizzlies before without Zion. So it's not like we can't beat them without Zion. So I believe that uh, the Pelicans can get a win today, but it all depends on the coaching, depends on how our players go. 
And let's all agree that the uh, team Saturday is not the team we're, we're used to seeing. You know, uh, they look demoralized. They look defeated almost from jump ball when Patrick Beverly hit that opening three. It's almost like it was uh, foretelling what was to come. So I believe if they have a better attitude, have a better, you know, psychological aspect of the game. And that's what makes these games so much more difficult because it's not like you're in your home stadium. You have your fans to rally. You have uh, your fans to, you know, cheer you up. And that's an interesting aspect of the game still that we're getting adjusted to. And I saw on Twitter early this morning that said uh, that this season now starting back up has been more entertaining per se than the regular season with fans. And I, I can't agree with that because you've seen a lot more of intensity, a lot of stick to I mean, you've seen a bunch of teams that have been down by 15, uh, come back and win the game or come back at least make it, made it close. You saw that with Portland and the Celtics when the Celtics were up by 20 plus and then the Portland came back by storm and almost won the game. You, you see it all the time. So I feel like no big lead is a safe lead in the NBA because somebody can catch fire quick and bam. So that's how I view that perspective. So I think it's been, it hasn't been boring at all because at first we were like, maybe it'll be boring without the fans, but no, it has the same level of intensity and it's more uh, psychological because you have to basically dig in without the fans' help. I mean, they've made it so virtual fans can watch the games and everything who are season ticket holders, but it's not the same feeling as having people there, you know, and even the crowd. The crowd's not a distraction when you're shooting free throws, actually. It's all mental, so if you miss it, you don't have to worry about fans heckling or anything, but still, that aspect of the game is going to be an uh, adjustment for the next few weeks. So as we gear up for week two, I believe it'll be a bunch of good matchup matches as well. I believe the Pels will pick up the pace and will actually play better than they need to. And again, this is Zion's first year, so I don't think anyone was expecting us to go to the finals with Zion, especially if he come up of injury and these players first getting accustomed to playing with each other. You know, even the only players that were usually playing with each other were Lonzo, B.I., Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart. Okay, and they're still getting a rhythm of this new environment. So I believe that we'd be a little bit more respectful and more understanding of the situation we're here because we got Zion. We can have Zion for a very long time, and one season is not going to define his career at, by all means. He's been good for us. He's been playing hard. I believe if he, you know, cut back, cuts back, maybe lose 20 pounds, build up muscle, and works on his game, like his mechanics, trying to become an outside shooter and not just having one signature move. That works. It does work. But as we see in the NBA, it's better to have a more dynamic aspect of the game. But that comes with time. I mean, no rookie was perfect their first year in every aspect of the game. Even LeBron wasn't perfect his first year in every aspect of the game. He had to grow every year. Just hoping that Zion decides to stick with us and not go anywhere else and become the elite player that we all know he can be. And how about those Rockets? You know, ending off uh, last night, both being down and coming back to win the game. So don't don't sleep on the Rockets. They're a, they're a good team. That it seems like that small ball is working, even though it feels like how can they win games when you know the biggest person on the other side is seven foot and the biggest person on their side is six seven, but. Martin D'Antoni and the Rockets have made it work, and Westbrook and Harden has proved to be one of the best duos in the league. 
So though, that's an interesting storyline. Uh, the Raptors, hey, the Raptors don't sleep on them. Even though Kawhi's not there, they still play with that passion. One of the best coach teams in the league. So watch out for them in the East. Uh, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of storylines that can happen. I'm very excited for the, the next few months. So again, thank you for tuning into my podcast. Thank you for uh, all your time. Thank you for all the people that listen. I appreciate it very much. Y'all have a great Monday. Peace. Sweet victory. Good morning, everybody. It's a Tuesday, sunny day. Good day to be alive. No day to make a podcast. So let's get to it. My Pelicans finally got themselves a dub. Finally got themselves on the winning board and on a good side of things. And hopefully what I think will be a good transition into a good conclusion of a season. So last night was the big matchup between Ja and Zion. We were going to see if Zion would play longer see how Ja would fit playing a team that he hasn't beaten this season. And eventually the storyline uh, played itself out. Zion played for the longest he has in the bubble, 25 minutes. Ja was kind of underperformed, really, was 5 of 21 from the field. But uh, really I credit that to the veteran leadership and defense of Drew Holiday because when he's on, he's on. He's one of the best defenders in the NBA. So let's break down the game, you know. Uh, we came out starting a little bit more focused. We looked very much improved from Saturday's blowout against the Clippers. Uh, we looked motivated. You know, we didn't look defeated at all. We came ready to play. And, you know, it, that that was a good sign from the get-go. You know, uh, I think that our center play still is atrocious, but we still have to, uh, we have to work what we have. But, you know, we have to, I think in the near future, we have to draft a, uh, good enough center or a tall forward or something to try to get that from going and keep that keep us from having a bit of a trouble rebounding as well because i've noticed we've been a horrible rebounding team when it comes to getting defensive rebounds we give teams a bunch of second chances and then again we end up shooting ourselves in the foot because usually those second chance points ends up in and ones or three points or something along that nature so i think we have to work on that center play majorly during the uh, off season. So going back, uh, talking about Zion with Zion, he had, uh, his high of the whole time being in the bowl, believe it was 23 points. And, uh, he looked more like he said, he, he felt alive again. So I think him being able to play longer and then playing in the clutch moments of the game, I believe that helped a lot. You know, I believe that Gave him spirits of, okay, I'm starting to play longer minutes. I'm starting to play minutes that matter. And uh, he looked a little bit better. You know, they were talking about his uh, physique and everything. He looked more uh, fit. He looked like his endurance was getting a little bit better. So I can see where the uh, medical staff is starting to let the leash off a little bit, just a little bit. And it was good to see him actually play good, consistent minutes. So it, it looks like kids minute playing is getting longer. So that's a good thing, you know, for entertainment purposes, you know, people who want to watch Zion and John Morant and all that nature. And then for the fans, for us to finally see Zion play longer than what he has the past two games, it's been great. So with that victory, I believe will transcend to uh, these next few games. And I believe our schedule is a little bit lighter than uh, Memphis's. Now, Memphis is a who's a well-coached team, a team with grit, a team with that doesn't give up because it wasn't an easy victory against Memphis at all. 
okay, they they swear us out until the very end. You know, a very good team. Jaron Jackson will play clutch. You know, uh, Grace now account the bench gave them a good 17 points. Uh, granted, 15 was in the fir- first quarter, and then we kind of put the clamps on them and only had them score two points the rest of the game. So uh, I believe we figured out how to uh, pick up on him and not let him be the X factor to beat us. So looking at the uh, Pelicans' next schedule, they played the Kings on Thursday. So the Kings, uh, I haven't been watching them as much, but I know they've been talked about about being a very much improved team than from the beginning of the season. So uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I want to see how Drew handles uh, De'Aaron Fox. You know, I want to see how Zion handles the uh, – because I believe they have uh, very tall centers. I think they have uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, who, I mean – he, I don't know how how good he is, but I, he's still a force and he's still tall and still could cause a bit of trouble down low for us. But I believe we'll uh, get that victory. And then the rest of the way, we have the Wizards, Spurs, Kings again, then Magic. So all these, to me, are winnable games. So in my opinion, uh, the, like I said yesterday, the worst we can go is 5-3 and three, maybe or 6-2. and two. But uh, the way the playing game is set up, if the eighth-seeded team is not four games ahead of the ninth seed, they'll have a playing game wherein the eighth seed and ninth seed will play two times. If the eighth seed wins uh, one game, I believe I'm saying it correctly, they win one game, they're automatically in and they're eliminated. But the ninth seed has to win twice. So I think that'll be an interesting matchup. And with you know Memphis losing three straight and their gauntlet looking a little bit tougher than the Pelicans wrote. Let's look at their schedule real quick. So let's see, they have the Jazz next, then they have the Thunder, then they have the Raptors, then they have the Celtics, then they have the Bucks. And to me, the only winnable game in that whole gauntlet the rest of the way is maybe the Jazz. But who knows because, you know, Jazz have the uh, the said defensive player of the year, even though he let AD drop 42 on him, but that AD is a different type of beast. But uh, Rudy Gobert and, and that type of uh, defense, yeah, I think it's going to be hard for them to really win any game. So I, I believe there will be a playing game of whoever uh, closes out the ninth spot in the West. The Pelicans, before they won that game, were 1.5 games behind. So now uh, with that victory, if I do my math correctly, we're now 0.5 games behind ninth. It's interesting to see how uh, percentages and all that matter in the league. <laughs> so uh, I'm fairly confident that we'll get the ball rolling still. You know, have a good momentum drive to get us going. It's good morale. You know, after like I said, after coming from that Saturday blowout, I think we looked at each other and they looked at each other in the mirror and said, we have to be better. They, they know they're better. And then I saw a team play with confidence. I mean, even Lonzo. Lonzo played the best he had in the bubble and had one of his better games of the season. And whenever Lonzo plays with confidence, I feel like that gives a good boost for Zion since they formed a good relationship. And you, those lobs, Lob City to Zion never gets old. It never gets old, man. Like it's, it's always exciting to watch. It's always good to watch. It's always good to see our team get a win, be on the winning color for once. You know, even if we, you know, don't get in the playoffs, don't make the AFC, you know, I still think this has been a good season, a great season to just watch the young talent develop, even though maybe the wins don't 
correlate. This is a team that was six and 22 at one point. So to see where we went from there and to get the grit even before Zion came back to put ourselves in the situation we are now, that speaks in ourself, the mentality. And how about Brandon Ingram? You know, he solidified himself as the most improved player of the year and solidified himself as a closer because he had a few shots down the stretch of that Memphis game that were huge. And his turnaround jumper has now become very, very reliable. He's had a bunch of those during the entire game with the bubble. So I, he's been one of my favorite players to watch this year as well, developing. So I believe all that to say that it's good to win. It will always feel good to win. It will always be easier to analyze the game from a winning standpoint than a losing standpoint. So let's gear up for more NBA games. Oh, and uh, the Lake Show. Let's not forget them. You know, like I mentioned, AD having 42, LeBron being uh, LeBron, you know, doing what he had to do to get the win. And uh, they finally clinched the number one seed since 2000. I think they say it was 2010 when they last clinched the number one seed. And that's the year they won a championship with Kobe, RIP Mamba. Uh, I believe it's a good season for the Lakers to pull through, you know, play for Mamba and play for Kobe, you know, play for the entire Laker community. And the Laker faithful, I know I have a few Laker friends myself. It felt like it's a long time coming for them. So uh, for all the ones that were there, uh, you know, before the good days came back, y'all struggled through some years that it looked like the Lakers were never going to be on top again. Now it's just great to see uh, a team like the Lakers be back on top, you know, see what they can do in the playoffs and everything, given the circumstances. So it's good to see that. Good to see LeBron bounce back from last season, not making the playoffs to solidifying him back to being in the playoffs. Because say what you want, but the playoffs aren't the same without LeBron James being in it. That's just my opinion. You know, you know, everyone knows me. You know, I'm a big LeBron fan. I think he's the greatest basketball player of all time. Opinion-based, that's just me. But, you know, it's always great to see uh, LeBron make the playoffs. And we know how his resume speaks for himself when he gets to the playoffs. So, again, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I'll be back for uh, more. And stay safe during these times. Peace.